On this episode of Murderers in Ohio, I'm going to talk about a case out of Warren, Ohio. Stanley Adams was convicted for the murders of Esther Cook and her young daughter. I'm going to talk about why Stanley Adams deserves to be locked up on death row in the state of Ohio. Now on Murderers in Ohio. So we got a killer on a run Murders in Ohio podcast and music are produced and performed by William Swafford. Warren, Ohio is a part of Trumbo County, which is in the northeastern part of the state. The city of Warren is west of the city of Akron and is close to the Ohio-Pennsylvania state line. On October 12, 1999, a lady whose first name is Donna had gone over to her friend's house on Dickey Avenue in Warren, Ohio. This was around 12 in the afternoon. Donna was a friend of Esther's. The Warren Police Department would get a call from Donna on October 12th. Donna had found her friend, 43-year-old Esther Cook, dead just inside of the front door. Police would show up at the home of Esther Cook. They would discover that Esther was not the only victim. Police would enter the home and find Esther's body lying face down in a pool of blood at the bottom of a staircase. Blood was found on the stairs and walls. Police would go up to the second level of the home and find Esther's 12-year-old daughter dead in one of the bedrooms. I'm not going to say the young girl's name out of respect. The young girl's body was found on the bedroom floor next to the bed. Her body was nude, and the police thought the body looked like it was posed, with her legs spread apart. An electrical cord had been wrapped around the girl's neck five times, and one end of the cord was in the girl's hand. A bracelet and two earrings were placed on her stomach. Why would anyone take out that much rage on a 12-year-old child? There was a killer on a run in Warren, Ohio. Not only a killer, but possibly a sexual predator. A forensic pathologist would show up at the crime scene that same day, October 12th, around 1 in the afternoon. The forensic pathologist determined that Esther and her daughter had been dead for at least 8 to 12 hours. Police would have to figure out who would have any reason to hurt Esther and her 12-year-old daughter. A couple more things about the crime scene. Police found no money in the house. The house had been robbed. The bedroom where Esther's young daughter had been found looked as though it had been ransacked. Dressers had been knocked over. Blood was found on the ceiling, floor, and dresser. Something violent had happened in that room. Bloody bedsheets was taken as evidence. Pieces of a broken broomstick would be found near both bodies. Police would talk to Esther Cook's neighbors. One neighbor said that they had seen Esther and her daughter the day before, October 11th, around 5.30 in the evening. So that gave the police a timeline that they could start off with. Police would talk to a lady who lived across the street from Esther's home. She told the police that she had seen a dark-collar car pull into Esther's driveway around 11.45 p.m. on October 11th. That car left the home around 12.45. 
that lady would mention one important detail to the police. The lady said the taillights were of a Chevrolet Cavalier. She knows this because she used to own one. A autopsy would be done on Esther. It was determined that she had died from multiple blunt force injuries, multiple sharp force injuries, four stab wounds to the head and neck. The coroner determined that the pieces of the broken broomstick was not the murder weapon. The murder weapon was never found. The coroner said the weapon was some type of a tool with an angle on it with two prongs, something like a crowbar. The coroner determined that the 12-year-old girl died from strangulation associated with blunt force trauma to the head. There were multiple injuries and bruises to her genitalia area, also brain swelling and lacerations to the mouth. I will ask this again. Why take out that much rage on a 12-year-old girl? A rape kit was done on a young girl. Swab samples were taken from different areas of the body. The samples tested positive for semen. The killer had raped the 12-year-old girl and strangled her to death. This was someone who needed to be locked up in prison. Police would need a suspect which they would get one after they found a 1991 Chevrolet Cavalier. On October 13th, one day after Esther and her daughter were found, the police seized a 1991 Blue Cavalier. The vehicle was owned by a man named Mike. This would definitely make Mike a person of interest. Mike would have some questions to answer. After the steering wheel, a floor pedal, and a headlight switch tested positive for blood. However, there was not enough blood to be tested. Mike would be questioned by police about the blood found in his car. Then on October 19th, Mike asked his friend, Stanley Adams, why police had found blood in his car. Mike had let Stanley Adams borrow the car on the days of October the 11th and the 12th. Stanley had possession of the car the day Esther and her daughter were murdered. The court document says that during the conversation that Mike had with Stanley about the blood in the car, Stanley had denied being the one who murdered Esther and her daughter. Stanley Adams did have a connection with Esther and her daughter. Stanley's girlfriend, whose name is Janelle, is the half-sister of Esther's daughter. They both had the same father, just different moms. Stanley and Janelle lived with Esther from Christmas of 1998 until March of 1999 there in Warren, Ohio, on Dickey Avenue. Around the time of the murders, Stanley and Janelle, plus their infant daughter, lived in a different city. Warren police would talk to Stanley on October 20th. They would advise him of his Miranda rights. Stanley would at first deny any knowledge of the murders. Law enforcement did not give up and they continued to question Stanley. Stanley would admit that he was at Esther's house on October the 11th and that he did go inside of the house. Stanley said that he had tripped over Esther's body and then had gone upstairs to find a 12-year-old girl dead in the bedroom. He got out of the house and did not tell anyone. However, he still continued to say that he did not kill them. 
Stanley would also admit that on October the 12th, he had burned a pair of bloody tennis shoes and a pair of trousers out in the yard behind his house. Police would search Stanley's backyard. They discovered a pile of ashes and there was a belt buckle and shoe eyelets. Shoe eyelets are the little metal circles that shoelaces go through. Stanley would even tell others that he had found Esther's body and had tripped over her body. Stanley had told a friend about it on October 26th, and he would even tell his girlfriend Janelle, the half-sister of the young girl. Police would have the evidence they needed to arrest Stanley Adams for the murders of Esther Cook and her daughter and have him stand trial. Stanley's DNA would be found in the 12-year-old's girl's bedroom. There was no reason why Stanley's DNA should have been in the young girl's room. Stanley would be indicted for two counts of aggravated murder. He was also charged with aggravated burglary, kidnapping, and rape. I don't understand where the kidnapping charge comes into this. This is how the court document says things happened on the day of October the 11th and the early morning hours of October the 12th of 1999. On the afternoon of October the 11th, Stanley borrowed a 1991 Blue Cavalier from his neighbor, a guy named Mike. Stanley went to Janelle's dad's house and asked to borrow $300 to buy a car, but Janelle's dad refused to loan Stanley any money. Later that day, Stanley went to a party at a friend's apartment. That friend's name was Stacy. There was three other people at the apartment. One man, two other women. Stanley was wearing a white t-shirt, blue jeans, and white tennis shoes. A lady by the name of Renee said she had known Stanley for five years. On October the 11th, Stanley had $40, which he used to buy cocaine. Later that night, another lady, Patricia, said that Stanley was broke and that he had offered her cocaine for oral sex, which she refused. Renee said that Stanley had left the apartment sometime before 11.15 p.m. to go find some money for more drugs. It was 11.45 p.m. when Esther's neighbor seen a car in her driveway. This was when Stanley had entered the home on Dickey Avenue and murdered Esther and her 12-year-old daughter. Stanley would leave Esther's home and go back to Stacy's apartment. Renee said that Stanley had blood all over his hands, shirt, pants, and the tip of his shoes. She said that some of the blood was still wet, and Stanley's pocket was a bunch of bloody money. The other people at the apartment had also seen the blood on Stanley. A guy named Norman, who was also at Stacy's apartment, noticed that Stanley had taken off his bloody shirt and had a roll of bloody money. I will remind you that the law enforcement did not find any money at all in Esther's home. There was four people who seen Stanley covered in blood. Those four people never called police or refused to party anymore with Stanley. What happened was Stanley, Stacy, and Norman had left the apartment to go buy more drugs. Stanley was out driving at night with no shirt on and covered with his victim's blood on him. Stanley and Stacy dropped Norman off someplace that way he can try and buy some drugs. Stanley and Stacy drove around the block while they waited on Norman to get the drugs. 
This was around 2 a.m. on October the 12th. Now get this. A Warren police officer pulled the car over for only having one headlight. This officer noticed that Stanley had no shirt on and blood on him, which the officer thought was weird because it was a little bit cold outside. That officer thought it could have been from Phil dressing a deer. It was hunting season. It was possible. However, most hunters don't drive around 2 in the morning with no shirt on and covered with deer blood. Another officer would stop to help out. And this officer would do a pat down on Stanley looking for drugs or weapons. That officer said Stanley's pants felt sticky, wet, and gooey. When the officer shined the light on Stanley, he noticed that it was blood. Both officers apparently was under the impression that Stanley had fill-dressed a deer and was out driving around at 2 a.m. with deer blood on him. Stanley told the officer that he had cut his hand, but the officer found no cut on Stanley's hands. Stanley had even lied about where he lived when talking to those officers. He had told the officer that he had lived on Dickey Avenue at Esther Cook's house, even though his driver's license had a different address. Stanley was let go that night with a warning for a taillight being out. Stanley surely didn't feel bad for what he had done. Stanley Adams was convicted for the murders and rape of Esther Cook and her 12-year-old daughter. Stanley would be sentenced to death for his horrible crime. Stanley did try to appeal his death sentence. They said that police did not take certain investigational steps. Also, they said that police did not pursue a man by the name of James Hartle as a suspect. James is the dad of Stanley's girlfriend, Janelle and also the father of Esther's 12-year-old daughter. Stanley Adams showed no remorse for what he'd done on October the 11th of 1999. He was only worried about where his next high would come from. Stanley, a convicted murderer in Ohio, deserves to be locked away. I am Bill Swafford, and I have been your host for this episode of Murderers in Ohio. We got the devil on the road and-